0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School,
0: this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Don on Careers on Sirius XM Business Radio Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and I lead career coaching for the Executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former... Corporate recruiter and author of the book Switchers How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. And I'm so happy to be here live in the studio, taking your calls all hours. So if it's Thursday noon Eastern, get on the phones now at 844 942 7866 because I'm here with Dana and Dion. And we are so excited to be back in the studio. And it is snowing like crazy in Philly. So uh, shout out to Be Safe Out There. And Dion, we are going to start with the pre-break quiz from last week since we had so many callers we weren't able to answer it. And I know, I know you've been waiting for this. Yes, I've,
1: I've been waiting since, with Since
0: last week. So, hey, if you heard it and you have a guess, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 942 Otherwise, we're taking your career questions and job search questions all hour here on Dr. Dawn on Careers. At 844-942-7866. So it was a Halloween question because. Because
1: that makes sense.
0: That totally makes sense. (laughs) And the question was, what does the Wilhelm refer to as it relates to horror movies or action thrillers?
1: So I'm going wait. So when you say horror movies or action, so where is where does the name show up?
0: I didn't say the name shows up. I just said what is something referred to as the Wilhelm.
1: The Wilhelm. Okay, I'm going to say it's the the manor where because it, it's got to be a big house because it's you know a, a scary movie, so a, a man. Or
0: action thrillers. Uh, see now, and actually, it's in a lot home. of cartoons now.
1: I'm going to say <laughs> it's 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 the giant house where Jason Voorhees was killed. <laughs> the third time
0: <laughs> was he ever really killed though I don't, know. I don't think he ever really died dana are you with us are you do you have an answer because dion's unfortunately wrong but this is a hard one yeah I, I don't watch scary movies i hate horror movies so i i'm not I'm, but you have yeah. you but cartoons now have it <laughs> so yeah, i just thought i would refer to like the murderer like the killer in the in the movie That's a good guess. They're both very good guesses, um, especially because this is a hard question, but... Um, the,
1: it's got nothing to do with, like, anything murderous or killer. No, or anything, it's actually doesn't. it's
0: actually pretty hysterical, and I've gotten a little addicted to it, but here's something you may not know. Uh, often screams in movies and TV are created by doubles and voice actors, and one stock scream is so popular it's got the name The Wilhelm, and it's in hundreds of films, including Gremlins, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and it's become such a big joke in the industry that it now shows up regularly in children's cartoons, Um TV, like The Simpsons, and and Tarantino is a big fan. It's in a lot of his movies, Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill. And Deanya, if you can look at this sound effect, you have have to look it up because when you hear it, you're going to say, oh, I've heard that so many times. And there's actually a clip on YouTube of a compilation of all the movies with the Wilhelm in it. And literally, um, this is how time gets wasted. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Do that again. (laughs) when you watch a movie i guarantee you're gonna hear that every time so all right (laughs) i know i know dion dion's like why why did i brave the snow to come into the studio this is what i
1: came in here for. (laughs) i know
0: i i i I sent you a message last night i'm like stay safe stay home and this is what i was talking about hey eight four four nine four two seven eight six six if it's Thursday, noon Eastern. We are live on Dr. Dawn on careers, and we have two fantastic guests with us today helping to answer all of your questions. So get on the phone at 844 942 We're on SiriusXM channel 132. And of course, it's about you every Thursday. So we are going to kick off with Mark Hirschberg, who is the author of the Career Toolkit Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Mark has started. Grown and fixed startup company spanning 10 different verticals and helped create educational programs at MIT and Harvard. He now lives in New York City, where he is known for his social gatherings, including, and I have to say this, his annual Halloween party to which I have never gotten an invitation. Mark, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me on. And despite my love of Halloween, I did not know the answer to the trivia question. Nobody knew (laughs) ours.
0: Well, does your love of Halloween include horror movies? Because you know they tend to go with it, but not always.
2: Yeah, not not as much. I prefer the actual party, unless the the movie.
0: All right. Well, now you now you have something fun to talk about at your next party. You can even play it as people are walking in the door. I think that would be a fun thing to do, right?
2: I'm definitely going to add that to my sound effect.
0: <laughs> Mark's thinking, what did I get into? I thought this was a show about career and job search, but actually it is. It is, Mark. So congrats on all of your success. Um, I, I suspect you didn't get to have your Halloween party this past year, which was a bummer because Halloween was not only on a Saturday DM, but do you know it was also daylight savings, which meant there was an extra hour of Halloween. So... <laughs> <laughs> and I bet Mark knows that, as somebody who does a Halloween party every year.
1: An extra hour of Halloween. I did. It was
2: it was extra disappointing this year. Though. Yeah, I missed all of that.
0: Well, I hope this year. Um, I hope this year everything comes back and you can have your Halloween party. So let's talk though about careers, because we've literally spent um, ten minutes talking about everything but careers. Although the haunted house industry is a growing and uh, sometimes lucrative industry, but. You have a book um, out called The Career toolkit and you have a lot of great tips in this and one of the things i just wanted to start out with is you you talk about career planning and you say everybody should have a career plan i fully agree with you mark um and i i have heard this stat that people often spend more time planning a vacation than their careers of course except for that small period of time when they decide um, i want a new job or i need to be in a job search so so why is this and how can people be encouraged to plan when things are going well so that they're ready for the next step
2: yeah unfortunately to the point you cite people put very little time into their career plans but if you think about anything you do at work any project even a three-month project you have a plan right your boss doesn't say that don't bother with a plan let's just see how it goes and even when the project's going well you want to check back to the plan you want to look for opportunities Your career is a 10, 20, 40-year project, so you need to actually have that plan for it, and it's not just about thinking, what's that next job? Think of it like chess. You don't want to think one move ahead. You want to think two, three, four moves ahead, so even when things are going well now, think about where do you want to be in the future, and what is the path to get there?
0: Hey, if you're just tuning in, we are live. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, Sirius XM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we have special guest with us, Mark Hirschberg, who's the author of The Career Toolkit, who is helping to answer all of your questions. So it is open calls right now, 844-942-7866. So Mark, one of the things that I think has changed a lot over the last year, but even before the last year, is it's become almost impossible to plan because nobody saw. The pandemic coming, the pandemic accelerated a lot of the changes that we were seeing in the market in terms of of tech tools, in terms of how we approach business, in terms of uh, employees changing jobs, changing industries. So I think it's it's much harder to plan where you used to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to kind of lay out my my five or ten year plan," and that used to be a popular question in interviews. That's that's no more. It's it's um, I still think you have to plan, but it has to be different now. So how do you do that in light of an unpredictable future market?
2: Well, the same could be said for any of our project plans for what we do at work. And of course, the key thing with planning, it's not that you have a plan and say, well, now I have to stick to it, right? You can change your plan anytime. You can change your goal. You can change how you're getting there. And of course, we know when we've done work projects, sometimes the vendor doesn't deliver, or sometimes something's harder than we thought, and we have to adjust. The same thing is true for our career plans. Eisenhower famously said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. And so when you have that plan, even when you get thrown a curveball like a pandemic, you know where you're trying to go, and it's easier to find that alternative route to get there, even in the face of uncertainty.
0: And I think a lot of people get frozen in ambiguous situations because people don't want to exert energy or or feel like they're wasting time. So they're kind of taking a wait and see. And I need to collect more data and I need more data. And the fact is, there are no guarantees. Uh, Even if you have great data today, tomorrow, everything could change. So what advice do you have for people who are in that maybe analysis paralysis or saying, I want to wait until I see how things shake out with the vaccine or how things shake out with my industry? You know, what 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 can you do to motivate them or what can they start focusing on that might feel comfortable for them if ambiguity is something that they dread?
2: Certainly in the short term, we see that, right? We don't know exactly what the next three months are going to look like with a vaccine rollout and going back to work. But when you're taking that longer term view, when you're thinking five years out, whether we're going back to work in three months or six months or even 12, we know five years out to get to a certain goal you have to develop certain skills. You need to have certain achievements on your resume, and so when you think about in the long term, you can start planning for that. And whether you're going back to work today, tomorrow, or whatever is going to happen in the short term, you are gearing up for these longer term goals to set you up to where you want to be down the road.
0: So, what are these these skills or these these things that people sh- like we know are going to be helpful? Because I think that's the other thing. There's a lot of courses and certifications and, and new things coming out. I mean, I think there's, there's you know, probably over 700,000 more as of last count. And how do you know which one to take? Again, people are trying to guess about what's going to come. But, but in your experience as somebody who coaches people and has a tap into the market, what, what do you recommend for people?
2: We want to define both knowledge and skills. So the knowledge, the do I need this certification or that one, that's going to be industry specific. And talk to people further up the career ladder. Talk to people where you want to go and say, how important is this certification? How important is it that I understand this knowledge or prove myself in this way? Because they're going to tell you whether that's a good return on your investment.
0: Hey, God.
2: Then there are these general skills like leadership like communication, networking, negotiation, and that's going to have a strong return on investment throughout our career, no matter what industry you're in, and that's always worth investing in. 844-942-7866,
0: 844-942-7866, you're listening to Business Radio Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern at 844-942-7866. We're excited to be here with Mark Hirschberg, who's the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You, and we are answering all of your job search questions. Of course, if it's Thursday, it is always open calls here on Dr. Don on Careers, and we're going to go right to the phones with Sarah in Maryland. So- welcome to the show it's on your mind today hi Dr. Dillon hi Sarah Um, so on on two different
3: occasions I've reached out to hiring managers on LinkedIn either before or after applying for a role Um, most recently I um, saw posts on LinkedIn managers posted the position I, um, I sent them a message as to why I was a good fit and explained that I was going to apply for the role Um, As recent as this morning, um, I applied for the role earlier this week, but then I got an auto-rejection from the ATS system. Um, What I find with managers who are directly involved in the hiring process, they're not really wanting to give much information, and they also don't want to, let's say, refer you to the job. Um, So I guess I'm just calling for feedback on what I'm doing wrong in this process. It sounds like I'm getting to the right people, but maybe I'm not saying the right thing.
0: Okay, so yeah, no, first off, you're doing the right thing because just applying online is going to be mostly a waste of time if you can't get somebody who gets that that resume or that application in front of the recruiter or the hiring manager. So I love that you're following up and you're taking that proactive step because that's that's the way you stand out. But clearly it's not working for you. So, Mark, what is your suggestion for Sarah in terms of uh, reaching out to hiring managers for jobs she's applied to?
2: If you can't get through to the hiring manager, you might want to try someone else at the company. See if you can go through your network to get in and try to get your resume in front of someone. But also don't take this personally. There could just be six other candidates who are better qualified. The company could be putting this role on hold for a while, especially in times of uncertainty. So don't take it personally, but absolutely use your network to get in, because the stronger your link into the hiring manager, the more likely he or she is going to be paying attention to your resume and inviting you in.
0: Yeah, this is so frustrating, Sarah, because the fact is, is that um, we don't know what the reason is. The reason could be that it's a job that was pre-filled by an internal candidate. It could be, as Mark mentioned, that there's a hiring freeze or uh, you know, a number of things. And I think that's what really gets job seekers frustrated is you have no idea. Is it something in your background or your, your experience, or is it something that's on the company side that, that you really have no control over? So I, I completely agree with with, Mark, that a, a referral of some kind is helpful, and it doesn't have to be the hiring manager, and it doesn't have to be somebody in the HR department. So you might want to check out your second-level contacts. One of the things I recommend is getting as many first-level contacts as you can and not excluding anybody. So that might mean your family members, friends, uh, former colleagues, your, your dentist, I mean, people who you're friendly with because you don't know who they know. And oftentimes, when you apply to a company, you might be so surprised to see that somebody in your network actually knows somebody who works at that company or used to work at that company that has some connections. And it doesn't matter if they're in the department you want or if they're in a completely other geography, because it's really about the fact of getting your resume in front of the hiring manager. So I I have to ask um, a follow-up question, Sarah. Sarah, is your LinkedIn profile optimized towards the jobs you're applying to?
3: You know, um, that's a good question, and I've been um, sort of trying to mimic um, other good LinkedIn profiles, but I I really don't think that I I have a handle on how to use my my LinkedIn as a marketing tool for myself. Um, So I, I definitely need to go back to looking at that.
0: Yeah, I think that can be a big one because while that tool that LinkedIn has that you can often see who posted the job, um, when you reach out to them, one of the first things they're going to do is look at your profile and scan it very quickly looking for the types of experiences they want to see. So I would very much recommend a strong headline, a strong about section that a lot of people skip filling out that section. It's sort of your summary at the top, but this is a great place to add a lot of keywords words and to talk about the aspects of your background that really fit the role, even if you haven't done maybe the the specific, you can bring all of those things that are are most relevant front and center in that about section. You can use that headline to really speak to the person. Uh, you want to make sure that you're following the company on LinkedIn if you're applying to them. I think that's something that people don't realize in the recruiter view of LinkedIn is you can see if somebody who's applied to your company is actually following your company on LinkedIn. And believe it or not, that makes a difference because the company obviously wants to know you're interested in them. So those little things can really make a difference. Um, Mark, do you have other suggestions, whether it's around LinkedIn or the application or getting getting the attention of this, the decision makers?
2: Think about the keywords, particularly as you are doing your LinkedIn profile, because remember some of these hiring managers will be searching for you and they'll do so on keywords. In technology years ago, I found I had to just put in that laundry list of all the technology keywords. As much as I really hated to do it, uh, I I would just get ignored if someone didn't, uh, you know, the hiring manager didn't know oh, this technology is the same as that one, so I had to list each and every one of them so when they did a search, I would get picked up in it. So think about making sure your LinkedIn profile is littered with every version of the keyword that could be relevant for the job that you want.
0: Yeah, keywords are a big thing that LinkedIn recruiters search on. And I know it can be hard if you're, if you're, for example, making a career switch to get those words in there, which is why I think the about section can be really helpful. The skills section, you can add up to 50 skills and um, you know, put those in your, those would add up to keywords. So there's a number of things you could do. You could follow certain groups, but I think one of the biggest things is your connections, because the more first level connections, I, I bet if you did a search on the the company you can start to see how many second-level contacts do I ha- have here, and who knows them, and can I get a warm introduction? Because the fact is, jobs are very competitive right now. People are applying. We're hearing from recruiters that they're getting more resumes than usual. So the other thing you might want to consider, and, and I would not say use this as a you know don't apply, but if you're not applying in the first few days the, job, the jobs come out, oftentimes they'll stop collecting resumes or stop looking at them to go through what they already have. So set up job alerts. On LinkedIn, so that if there's a particular company you're interested in, Sarah, that you get those job alerts so that you know right away that you, um, you know, it's a job you're interested in and apply. So, all these little things can help. But as we know, applying online is really <laughs> the abyss. And building your network and sharing your brand with people who are in that network who can bring opportunities to you is going to be a really helpful way to get even more opportunities because a lot of them don't even bubble up to the online and posting systems so Sarah what's your first step after getting off this this phone call
3: (laughs) Uh, I'm going back to my LinkedIn Um, yeah it's you know honestly it it is a bit lacking Um, and so um, that's where I'm going to go and uh, make sure I have the keywords in etc but I have one other quick question sure so in this situation would you recommend I um, just kind of assume from this automatic email that it was the ATS rejection or I think the thing for candidates like myself is I don't know like you said what is the problem you know and so do I try to reach back out to the hiring manager to say hey I applied for the job but got this rejection were you able to look at it or like should I just leave it alone?
0: So it's yeah I mean the the applicant tracking system just as by way of explanation is something that that was originally created as a tool for companies to track their candidates um, you know demographics on their candidates and kind of sort and organize and now it's become kind of known as an applicant elimination uh, (laughs) system because of the way that it's being used You you can certainly sort by certain columns and keywords and only look at those resumes or really just, you know, automatically wipe out people who list a salary that's too high. Um, typically, I find that if, if you're getting rejected within the first you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, it probably is that um, you didn't fit some kind of key requirement. Now, if this is a company that you're interested in other positions, uh, I, may, I may have a different answer than if this is a company that you're like, hey, this position, it's kind of a one shot. But tell me a little bit more about what your desire is to be in this company.
3: So, uh this is a healthcare company and just given um my background and I have an MBA and a social work degree, um I would love to go in and design um tools and products for um for the healthcare population. Um uh, mainly it's a um insurance company that now has a technology arm and I think it would be so cool to design uh, services, um, tech programs for for elderly folks, so that they can stay at home or get access to the healthcare that they need. And so that's um, really my motivation for targeting that company because I it's it's a new tech program that they're developing, and I think I can come in on on the the foundation piece and offer my social work skills as well as. Keep in mind the service piece, but also making sure that, you know, um, technology while it, it, it survives financially.
0: Yeah, I, I hope you wrote that in your cover letter. <laughs> and I want you to I put didn't. I want you to put that in your summary as well, because that was very well articulated in terms of your mission and how your skills fit that mission. And here's what I would recommend is I if if you did get the rejection, I think you could, and you could reach out to hiring manager and said, "Unfortunately, I you know I received a, um, a notice that you won't be moving forward with my candidacy." But um, you know, should there be another opportunity, here's what I bring and here's what I would like to do again. Not not a lengthy thing, but but short and say I'd love to keep in touch if there's other opportunities on your team because you never know that may cause the hiring manager to say, "Wow, this this mission aligns exactly with what we're doing." Maybe I should go back and look at this. And I will tell you, Sarah, I have done that. As a hiring manager myself, I have um, turned down a a candidate based on, again, going through the ATS and, you know, no, no, no. And this candidate actually found a connection, a referral. The referral came to me and said, "Um, you overlooked this resume. I think you should take another look. I took another look and I hired that person and she's still with that company today. So, I think being being assertive, yet polite and diplomatic, can go a long way. Mark, what are your thoughts?
2: Two things stand out. Uh, first, you mentioned it was an automatic rejection. So unless it's coming in in about five seconds, it's not clear to me it's automatic. I'll sometimes sit there and I get all these applicants and go, oh, yeah, I've got 10 minutes now, let me quickly go through, and someone who applied literally 20 minutes ago they get that click reject. they get the automatic email, but I manually looked at their resume for 10, 15 seconds and rejected them. So don't assume it wasn't looked at unless it happened literally within a few seconds. The second thing that stood out to me is that that's great, your passion sounds wonderful, and as a hiring manager, yeah, that's nice, but I also kind of don't care. I wanna hear what you're giving to me the value deliver for me. Now, it's nice to know you're passionate about this and you're not just looking for a paycheck, but I also want to know, here's what you're bringing to the table. And you mentioned this is a new program. So if I'm the hiring manager, I'm thinking this is a brand new program. We don't have the experience internally. I'm going to want to see people who have done something really, really similar to this because I'm trying to de-risk everything that can go wrong. I can't control that we haven't done it before, but I can control the people I hire if they've done something like this before. So for this particular job, you want to show that you have as directly relevant experience for this new type of venture.
0: Sarah, it sounds like you have a little work to do, but I feel like you have some specifics yeah. that are going to help you open the door. So don't give up. Um, it sounds like you have a very clear direction on where you want to go, which is something that a lot of people struggle with. So stay on that focus. I think um, if you stay in that focus and take the advice that um, Mark and I gave you, you're going to find the doors start opening up. So we wish you all the best. We appreciate you calling us here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Let us know how it goes. We are so so rooting for you here on Dr. Dawn on Careers, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are taking your calls live all hour. And hey, you know what? In the news, a new... Study of over 2,000 Americans looking at career pathways in post-COVID world from SWNS has found that the pandemic has acted as a catalyst for change, with 6 in 10 Americans realizing that now is the time to follow their career dream ha, switchers. We love switchers. And that more of half of Americans are already in various stages of securing a new job or career. One poll also found that nine in 10 respondents looking for a career switch wanted to go into a path that was wildly different from what they currently do. So double switchers. Yeah, switchers are the future of work. And people are really looking to make a change. What are they looking for? Well, the top things that came out in the survey, creative control, ability to work remotely, and a flexible work schedule. Are you a switcher? We want to hear from you. 844 942 7866. Hey, Mark, what advice do you have for people who are switching careers?
2: When you want to switch, think of it almost like a set of bowling pins, right? We use one pin to knock down the adjacent pin to the other adjacent pin. You don't want to do too much of a, of a jump because some hiring manager is going to say, what does your previous experience have to do with this? So as you're thinking about doing that switch, set yourself up with experiences, things that you've gone and learned or things you've achieved at work to move you in that direction, potentially take an intermediate job that moves you towards your ultimate goal.
0: And that is a great way to wrap this up, Mark. We have had a blast speaking with you. And, of course, everybody should check out your book, The Career Toolkit. Where can people learn more about you and follow your work, Mark?
2: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, where you can learn about the book, download the free app, and get other free resources
0: fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. We really appreciate it. I do expect to get a an invitation to that Halloween party this year, so I will be on the lookout for that. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, awesome. Um, and Dion knows I'm serious. Uh, if you're just tuning in, 844-942-7866, it's open calls if it's Thursday noon Eastern. Of course, we have another pre-break quiz. Dion's so thrilled. Quiz There's a quiz. And this one has to do with gum. Most people know Wrigley's as a company that sells gum. Wrigley's Double Mint is very popular, but selling gum wasn't their original mission. What did Wrigley's originally sell? If you think you know, 844 942 7866. You're listening to SiriusXM, Channel 132, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, on Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM, channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and we are back live in the studio, which is so exciting for us because that means it's open calls all hour at 844-942-7866, and if you're just tuning in, you missed the first half of our show, we are here with Mark Hirschberg, who's the author of The Career Toolkit, and he was answering some great questions from listeners, and if you've got questions, we are here for you all. Hour at eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, but you also might have missed our pre-break quiz, which has nothing to do with Halloween and everything to do with gum this week. So, Dion, what did Wrigley sell before they started selling gum? Oof.
1: Um.
0: <laughs> it was before your time, too. So, you think? <laughs> I know, um, that's not fair.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm thinking something old-timey, and I'm not really coming up with anything, so I'm going to say paper towels. Wrigley's paper towels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a, that's a good answer. It's as good as any, right?
1: It's good as any of my answers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wrigley's paper towels, super absorbent, new. Um, but that was a good answer. Dana? I'm going to say toothpaste.
1: To go with, like, the mint
0: bean. Oh. Oh, Dana's smart. Dana, Dana. I'm just
1: saying stuff.
0: (laughs) Connecting the. Well, it's not toothpaste, but it was an ingredient in toothpaste. So I feel like. Fluoride. No, but I feel like we should give Dana that. I feel like even though it's not toothpaste. I think so. Mm. I don't know. Dion, Dion's got it. His... I had to find it. Dion, it's been so long since somebody's gotten the pre-break quiz right. De- Dion, I had, to, couldn't... I had to blow the dust off the ding button. <laughs> he couldn't even find it. That's, yeah. I don't know what well, that's. Go ahead. Dion always gets to go first, I notice. He I does... mean,
1: it, it doesn't help anybody. <laughs> 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 you, you just you just know what the answer isn't, but, but when true, I'm done. True, true.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, the ding button is is back in action. All right. Well, this is actually kind of a business story, which is why it's related to the show. So, when William Wrigley Jr. moved to Chicago, he started selling soap. Um, And gifted baking powder as a free bonus with the soap. But then the baking powder became so popular and more popular than the soap that he started selling baking powder, which is the toothpaste connection there, Dana, and gifting free gum. And then the gum became so popular that he started selling gum. So it goes back to this whole idea of, you know, if if what – what. You know, you got to figure it out. You got to try. Clarity comes through action. And then one of the things he did is he sent free samples to every address listed in the U.S. phone book. Really? Which was the first ever direct marketing campaign. And got everybody kind of addicted to his gum. So there also weren't
1: as, as many people back then either.
0: Yeah, there weren't as many people. I'm, you know, guessing mail was very different and...
1: Oh, yeah. Not everybody but, was but, in the address <laughs> book. By, by the time they got it, it was a, it was a whole different product.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, gum, gum can get nasty pretty fast. But anyway, my point being is that if, if what you're doing, you know, don't get so tied to the idea. Get tied to the, you know, problem. What can I do to help people do X? And then you might discover a different product or service that works even better so way to go. turn
1: that into something productive <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's all i could do i couldn't turn the will hum into anything yeah no into anything no, no. But there you go. Learn something new and a lesson on top of it. But we're so excited to be here live with you on Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM channel 132. And we are so excited for our next guest as well. Um, as we've mentioned, it is open call. So please give us a call at 844-942-7866. So we are so excited to welcome our second guest, Scott Miller, who is here. And he is going to be talking all about leadership. Uh, Scott holds the world's record. Um, Sorry, (laughs) Scott holds the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. I don't know if it's a record, but it should be. Um and is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author and is founder and creator of Behind the Ignite Your Creative Genius coaching series. So, so much, so much going on in the second part of this. Scott Miller, who has built a 25-year career at Franklin Covey and has written tons of columns for Inc. Magazine, multi-bestselling author. I could literally spend the next 20 minutes talking about all Scott's accomplishments, but we actually want to hear from you, Scott. So, Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you on, and congratulations on all of your success.
4: And my world record, apparently.
0: Yeah, I, I just, you know, that you heard it here first. It is a I world... I was so...
4: Wondering how it's going to let you down gently. Whatever it was you
0: said. Hey, hey, why not? You know what? It's on national radio now. You could say, "Hey, you heard it on Sirius XM." Just go with it. Yeah, like just this, go with you, it. It
4: was not. It was not. It did not involve bench pressing, bench lifting, anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a world record podcast. But you know, you know, that's still a feat. That's still a feat. And like I said, there's so much about you that I. I was like, how am I even going to condense this? But and then just say, well, we didn't get to hear from Scott, but <laughs> you should really but follow. Him.
4: journey. Yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. I mean, okay. So you've spent all this time in leadership. I have to ask the question, what is your best leadership tip from, from 25 years with, with Franklin Covey? There's got to be that, that one gem that we all need to know.
4: Well, I think it's that not everyone should be a leader of people. Honestly, I Ooh. think too often organizations and industries have promoted the wrong people. We promote the most efficient dental hygienist or the most creative, digital designer or the top producing salespeople to become the sales leader and we set them up for failure. I, I don't think everyone should be a leader of people and that's just fine. But if you are going to assume the role of leading people, then there are a whole variety of things that you should be aware of in terms of your communication skills, your listening skills, turning the spotlight onto other people, giving them courageous feedback on their blind spots. I mean, Lots of leadership tips, but the first one is be really deliberate and intentional. Should I lead people or should I go have an amazing individual? producer contributor career no shame in that
0: i love that you said that because that was not what i was expecting you to say but i think that is so true and i i i wonder if a lot of people are thinking hey i want to get promoted i want to climb the ladder i want to get more money but the only way to do that is to manage people and how do i juggle that because i I don't want to manage people or that's not my strength but i want to get more responsibility i want to get more money so what do they do
4: well, it is a challenge because too often organizations are aligned to only allow people that lead teams to earn more money, gain more influence, you know, have a bigger office or a better title. So first is you need to be very intentional about the type of organization you're working for. Is there a career path for leaders of people and individual producers? So first I'd say take responsibility for the type of organization you want to work for. Do they recognize and do they provide path for you to achieve your career success in that company without being forced into having to lead people? I'll tell you, I'm not sure I should have been a leader of people, and I was the chief marketing officer of one of the world's biggest brands. <laughs> is I, Franklin Covey seen.
0: listening to this right now?
4: <laughs> well, they, they and they're probably <laughs> blushing, right? But the fact Oops. of the matter is, I'm just telling the truth, which is, you know, I shouldn't be an anesthesiologist. I shouldn't be a commercial airline pilot. God forbid. I'm not sure. My calling was being a leader of people. Now, at the same time, I think most people can learn these skills, but you know, sometimes learning a skill isn't worth it. Sometimes I don't want to learn certain skills, it's just not worth the price I have to pay. So no shame in not being a leader of people, and if you don't want to be, find an organization that has the same philosophy and you will flourish.
0: I, yeah, that is such a great tip. And I am seeing in the market more and more roles that talk about um, being an individual contributor, yet they're at the director level or they're, they're at a very senior level. So I, I wonder if that means companies are recognizing this as well, that they need strategic thinkers and people who are very good at, at whatever it is that function is, but they need them to really be focusing on these, these specific functions. Are, are you seeing that
4: I think it's exactly what's happening because in organizations where you promote the top sales producer to become the sales leader, honestly, it rarely works out because the skills that it takes to be a sales producer are vastly different than what it takes to become a sales leader, right? As a sales leader, you're focused on coaching and mentoring. You take delight in and the success of those around you. You like to build capacity. You recognize your job is to achieve work and results with and through other people. Not everybody has that burning passion to help others become more successful than they are. It takes a certain kind of person. And what's happening, Don, is in organizations they promote individual producers. That person then gets into the job and realizes, "Oh crap, this is not how I want to spend my time. I didn't want to spend my day having high courage conversations around hygiene and dress code and punctuality and abundant thinking and taking responsibility and and they quit. Yeah, everybody steps back to their position. So now the organization has lost their top metaphorical salesperson, and now they've lost their top sales leader or their, their pipeline, and everybody loses. So I do think organizations are being much more thoughtful around the type of people they recruit into leadership roles. And that's going to – you're going to see that transformation happen across organizations.
0: I love it. And in fairness, no leader wants to have a conversation about hygiene. It's just – we just don't just, just don't want to, even if you like being a
4: I've had plenty of them. I've had
0: plenty of them. I, I bet you have. I bet you have. Hey, if you're just tuning in, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. This is Dr. Don on Career Series XM channel one thirty two. And we are here with Scott Miller and I totally bungled your, your but he is he is going to be world the record, record world record holder of podcasts, but he's a founder and creator of uh, Ignite Your Genius Career Coaching Series, a Wall Street Journal best-selling author and had a 25-year career at um, Franklin Covey. And I want to talk about that because I was looking at some of your blogs, Scott, and, and you wrote something that I think is so important to share, which is you've had seven separate careers in 23 years, but <laughs> at one company. And I the reason I love this is because earlier in the show, I was talking about how people are looking to uh, become switchers. There was a study that was done, and more and more people post-COVID, are looking to get into the, the career they really love. It was a study by SWNS and OnePoll. And I think you are a great example of somebody who is can do that within one company. And I think if people work in a larger company, they often overlook the chance to make a big switch functionally within their company, and they just go somewhere else. But I think that's such a great opportunity.
4: Well, I think it speaks to the power of self-disruption. I love this quote. I hate the content, but I love the insight, and that's, you're never in the room when your career is decided for you. And let that just sit down for a moment, right? The CEO, the CFO, the CHRO, CRO, whoever it is, you're never in the room when your career is decided for you. If, in fact, you are living a sort of accidental career strategy. It's why I founded the Ignite Your Genius Self-Paced Career Coaching process, because I want to help people move from an accidental career to a deliberate career. So if fundamentally, you buy into the fact, you know, you're right, my career is often being decided for me, then you've got to embrace this idea of self disruption, which is, you know, act or be acted upon. So my career inside Franklin Covey, 25 years, probably closer to nine different roles now, is because I constantly, Don, moved outside my comfort zone. I fired myself from one job and moved into a different job, usually a year or two or more before that proverbial boot was coming my way. So I do think there is some value and with your listeners to really understand, do you have the courage, do you have the deliberation to know when to disrupt yourself and move on? some other role. you know. There's research from Whitney Johnson, who wrote the book Disrupt Yourself, shows that the average tenure of a career now is about 18 months, of a job, rather, 18 months. And most people become a bit complacent around year three in a job, that her S-curve of learning, as she describes it, shows that around the third year, people have kind of mastered the job, they can kind of do it a little bit, quote, in their sleep, and they somewhat subconsciously, Don, become complacent. And that's when others around them can feel it more than they do. So that kind of magical three-year mark is an important reminder to people to ask yourself, is it time for me to disrupt myself and move me forward before someone else moves me left or right or out or down?
0: Love that. We love Whitney Johnson. We had her on the show earlier this year and the S curve, if you've missed that show or if you're not sure what what Scott is talking about, it is something that you might want to think about especially if you're thinking about 2021 as a year to make a change because here's the here's the fact. We are all going to be forced to change if we don't continue to reinvent ourselves and evolve. The market is just moving way too fast for us to be complacent. So, I think that is such an important point to bring up and the great news is that, Scott, you could do it within your own company. If you love where you work and you love the people um, you work with, you can find opportunities within your own company to grow, expand, learn new things, work with new people, work with new departments. So don't overlook that. Hey, 844-942-7866 or listening to SiriusXM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you could follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham for more information about the show. And we are going to go right back to the Phones, um, except that she's not there anymore. Bummer. She must have got caught in the snow, Howard. Dion. <laughs> he
4: was intimidated by my world record.
0: I, I would so be. Bad. I would be. So I mean, now, now you just have to know that you're going. You might lose some opportunities there, Scott, because people will be like, "Wow, I, I don't even know how to talk to a world record." But I have, I have a question for you. That um, again, I was reading your blogs, which is a lot of fun. And um, you have a blog, I think it was titled uh, Career Advice from a Potato Farmer. Yes. <laughs> which yeah. really caught my eye. So I, I would like some career advice from a potato farmer.
4: <laughs> well, now I've never personally met a potato farmer, but the story I'm going to re- share with you is one of Franklin Covey's kind of key leadership videos called The Law of the Harvest. And here's the, here it is in a nutshell. Now, again, I'm not a farmer, so if I slaughter this for your fellow farmers, cut me some slack. pre forgive me. But in essence, when you're potato farming, every couple of years you are not planting potatoes. You are planting some other, often money-losing crop, to replenish the soil of the vital nutrients. It might be you know, alfalfa or some other crop where you're not making as much money, but you are putting vital resources back into the ground for a full season so that next year – you now can grow bigger, better, larger, more expensive potatoes. It's called the law of the harvest. Know when to plant and know when to harvest. And I think that metaphor is the absolute best career advice I've ever heard. Career advice from a potato farmer. And that is this. In our careers, I think, especially with the younger generation coming up, no diss on the younger generation, they're bringing unparalleled levels of creativity and intellect and experience and nimbleness to the workforce, of course. but I do think there is this proclivity propensity for people to harvest too soon. So my advice to your listeners, Don, is to think careful. should you be planting or should you be harvesting? I think people generally tend to harvest, meaning they try to promote themselves, they get impatient to move on to a new career. I mean literally every eighteen months now, some of the research shows people are moving around and it's become a bit commonplace. You know, when I, I'm 52, Don, in my generation, if you had five jobs in your resume, you were nuclear, you were toxic. Mm-hmm. People wanted to know why have you moved around? Now if you've got one career, people are like, what's wrong with you? Yep. If you've not done more things. So I, I get that it's changed, but here's the insight is when you're tempted to move jobs, careers, companies, industries, Be really thoughtful. Should I stay and plant some more? Do I need to water, rake, hoe, fertilize, water, rake, hoe? Is it really time? Have I taken all that I can from this role? I I have a speech coach that gave me some, again, excellent career advice. And she said, Scott, there comes a time in everyone's career when you've given 90% of what you have to offer your employer. And by the way, you've taken from them – 90% 90% of what they have to offer you, and the last 10%, either way, just isn't worth it. So if your listeners are wondering, is it time for me to plant, is it time for me to harvest, ask yourself, where are you at that 90% both ways? Are you at 89%? Are you at 190%? Where, where are you in terms of what you have to give and what you have to learn from your employer? And you'll have a pretty good sense for, should you stay and plant some more, You know, learn more skills, achieve more knowledge build your network or is it time to harvest and move on
0: that is such a great analogy i um i (laughs) and it was so well said i'm crushing
4: it I'm crushing it on your program. You right are now. crushing
0: it. It's like a world record program, I think. Now, I think I think we could say, and in the six years, you are crushing it. I have t- I can't even keep a cactus alive, and that advice totally resonated with me. So, me either. <laughs> so that, yeah, you nailed it. Hey, 844-942-7866. nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to SiriusXM channel one thirty two. We are so excited to be here uh, with you. Open calls all hour, of course, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, and we're very. Excited Excited to have Scott Miller with us today, who is a global keynote speaker, best-selling author, multiple books, um, has been on the radio, and has a world record for his podcast, which is just—it's <laughs> just, you know, that's just going to stick, Scott. So, so um, as we're as we're kind of uh, winding down, what is your best advice for for people out there who are struggling? A lot of people are struggling right now, and um, you know, they don't feel like they can speak with their their boss, and they're kind of struggling silently. As a leadership expert, how can people manage up if they need help?
4: Yeah, I have a couple of ideas, Don. One is, I think too many of us spend too much time studying other people. Like, I'm an expert in Dan Pink. I'm an expert in Rachel Hollis. I'm an expert in Seth Godin. Right, I read all their books. I listen to all their podcasts. But instead, I'd say, spend some more time studying yourself really build your self-awareness. Ask yourself, what's it like to lead me? If my boss were telling me truthfully what my strengths and weaknesses, is, what would she say? Because oftentimes, you know, you're, 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 your leader is just a leader. They're just a human like you and I. They have insecurities. They have jealousies. They have frustrations. They have pressures that you may not know about. Leading up is an important career strategy. It's actually one of the 11 modules in my Ignite Your Genius career series. I spend a whole session on talking about how to lead up. What that means is you've got to do two things. You've got to be more self-aware. What is it like to lead you? What are the things you do that delight your leader and annoy your leader? What's it like to hold you accountable? What's it like to have to manage you? Does your boss have to manage you? And then flip your paradigm into not just studying yourself, but study them. What are their insecurities? What are their struggles? What are their career goals? What pressures are they perhaps under that you don't even know about? I think when people move into leadership, they become much more forgiving of their leaders before them because they realize how much pressure they didn't understand was on their leader. That is down so with your
0: leader. true. That is so true. And I am so down with the self-reflection piece because I think you always, always, always need to start there. Yet we a lot of us always start on the external. But I think if you can reflect internally, then when you do go to the external, there is so much um, more rich information. So that is that is a fantastic tip. And I know a lot of people are going to take that to heart. So Scott, where can people reach you? Where can they follow your work? Thank you. So
4: my website is scottjeffreymiller.com. You can Google Scott Miller, Ignite Your Genius. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's, according to my wife, it's kind of hard not to find me these days. I have the world record for the most number of websites.
0: <laughs> I've heard that. Just <laughs>
4: no, I'm kidding. But if you visit scottjeffreymiller.com, you can um, you can enroll or look at my, my multi-video process called Ignite Your Genius. It actually comes with a printed workbook, and it basically is built on my own 30-year career. Um, I'm launching a new book next year called Job Net. That is awesome. Career success.
0: Like I said, we could do a whole show on all of your accomplishments, Scott. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here today. You've been listening to Sirius XM channel 132. We'll see you next time.